The Parsha of this week begins with the story of Shmini about the eighth day of uh, the inauguration of the temple and the death of the two sons of Aaron because they entered the Holy of Holies. But then the Torah speaks about the laws of Kashrut. What are the signs for a kosher animal? What is, because we eat kosher, there is a few steps there. Number one, it has to be a kosher animal. What is a kosher animal? Was split off and choose the cold. Usually these kind of animals are vegetarian animals. They eat only vegetable. You know, we are very big and vegetarian and, and uh, humans, there is also an animals are vegetarian. <laughs> then we have to slaughter this animal by a kosher um, shoichet. The guy has to have the right knife and it's, it's, it's a whole profession to be a shoichet. After he slaughters the animal in a kosher way, a part of the, how he kosher it, how he slaughter it in this way is because this way is the way that they're less painful to the animal. And even some Chochens will come and argue that there is other ways. This, is, this was in the time before there was all the strange ways of killing. That was the, the easiest way on the animal. And number two, the way it's being done at the blood, because it's caught by the throat, the heart is pumping out the blood. And as we know, the Torah tells us we're not allowed to eat blood. Then we need to get rid of as much blood as possible. After you slaughter that in a kosher way, it's still not enough. You have to open the animal, the inside, and check everything. Check if there is holes. Check if there is if there is any other problems uh, in in the in the inside the um, organs of the animal. And after when they check it, talk to Shoichet, They will tell you, eighty percent of the amount of the animals that exploded, the, the shoichets, go to the non-kosher market. The American law is much more lenient about the health of the animal than the kosher law. And actually, if you eat a kosher piece of meat, you're eating an healthier animal. Then after you find out and it's all kosher, the 20% made it to the kosher market, then you have to salt it. You have to get out the blood out of it. If to salt it and wash it, and only then you can cook it, and only then you can you can you can you you eat it. Then the process of the kosher of a kosher and a piece of meat that you get in Boris or in Tibos is going through a long journey. We take a piece of meat, you put it in the pot, or if not in the pot, and you eat it, you grill it or it's was, and you go home. <laughs> But until it makes it to, your, to the table of a Jewish person, it goes through a very long process. The Torah, this part, what type of animal to eat and what type of animal not to eat is in this portion. It's written in the Torah in another place, you have to slaughter the animal. Well, that's it, it's not written out to slaughter. When this we learn that the Torah says that it thinks are not written, when this we learn the concept of the oral tradition, uh, things that God, Moses told the Jewish people to begin with, not to write it down. Then the idea of, of uh, checking the animal, it has to be a healthy animal, that's a little bit is written, of it, is written in the Torah, but uh, mainly from, we learn, we learn from tradition and from the rabbis, and salting is also written in the Torah. What's written in the Torah, you're not allowed to eat blood. If you're not allowed to eat blood, you have to salt it to get the blood out. Then we'll concentrate on the signs of a kosher animal. 
רבי, you want to read the source number one? God spoke to Moses and Aaron, telling them to speak to the Israelites and convey the following. Of all the animals in the world, these are the ones that you may eat. Among mammals, you may eat any that has split hooves and that chews its cud. However, among the cud-chewing hoofed animals, these are the ones that you may not eat. The camel shall be unclean to you, although it chews its cud, since it does not have split hooves. The hyrax shall be unclean to you, although it chews its cud, since it does not have split hooves. The hare shall be unclean to you, although it chews its cud, since it does not have split hooves. The pig shall be unclean to you, although it has split hooves, since it does not chew its cud. Do not eat their flesh nor touch their carcasses, since they are unclean to you. Okay. Then we learn here there are four animals. The Torah says they chew, three of them chew the cord, they don't have split hooves. The Iraq and the camel and the rabbit. The pig on the other end has split hooves and doesn't chew the cord. What the Talmud says about the pig, Mark? That um, it looks kosher on the outside, but truly in the inside it's not which the, is sort of reflective of ourselves at times. Yeah, the pig shows outside, look, I'm kosher. My, 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 my hooves are split. But deep down, is not kosher at all. And when it sort of reminds... Like, what? Go ahead. It sort of reminds me of Esau, when he would go to his father to say, can you tithe salt? So he looked very kosher on the outside that he was so concerned with this small matter that... Uh, that Truly, on the inside, he was not. Exactly. And actually, the Talmud compares Esau to, to, to pig. Oh, yes. But it, yes. yes. Oh, that's yes, true. Yes. Yeah. And exactly for this. Then when somebody tells you you're a pig, you know what it means. If it's a told you. If not, it means that you eat. We eat it's interesting that we are compared to pigs because pigs are the closest to a human being. The um, way they are built, the physical body. I was once, I mentioned that a few times, I was once in the Cleveland Clinic and somebody took me for a tour there and they showed me in one of the rooms, here lays a pig and he was covered, he's sleeping and they, and they, and they, they learn how to do heart surgeries and things like this and out of a pig. Because it's uh, very similar to out of a human being. That's why Jewish law says when it was, what was the SARS? What came from the pig? When was it a few years ago? Some, another pandemic came from the pig. Swine flu. Swine flu. Then Jewish law says when there is a swine flu, people should go and pray in the synagogues because it can affect human beings because it's very similar. Yeah, we do uh, eye surgery practice on pig eyes. Really? Yeah. Very interesting. Very, you see, here you go. I didn't know only that. The animal we practice on regularly besides... Uh, artificial eyes, but um, yeah. The only animal because and, he's the closest to a human being, right? Also, also when they do um, valve uh, procedures in open heart surgery, sometimes heart valves. Yeah, they use out of, of pig, uh, no, the, the, the pig heart valves. Yes, the, yes, people came over the years, people came to ask me if they're allowed to use it. As long as you don't need it, it's okay. <laughs> in your heart, it's okay. Then these four animals are not kosher. Now, this is for, you can say, for the butcher. Okay, now we learn the, the laws of the, what are the signs 
of a kosher fish. And Mark, you want to read? Sure. This is what you may eat of all that is in the water. You may eat any creature in the water, whether it's in sea or rivers, that has fins and scales. Any creature in the sea and rivers that does not have fins and scales, whether swarming creatures or any creatures of the water, they are an abomination for you. An abomination they shall remain. Do not eat their flesh and shun their carcass. Every uh, aquatic feature creature without fins and scales must be shunned by you. When it says, by the way, that you should shun their carcass, does that mean you can't derive benefit from if you're not eating it? I don't know if you cannot derive benefit. I'm not sure about that. Certain things you cannot have benefit. For example, from milk and meat together, you cannot derive benefit. From pork, you cannot derive benefit. But this, I'm not sure. Could be, I'm not sure. This is talking about impurity. It says nothing. I don't think it has to do with diving benefit. If you touch it, you become impure. But I don't think you're not allowed to sell it or to make money on it. I'm not so sure about it. I have to check it. I don't think so. I think I think I think it's okay. I think. I'm not sure what I think. Then what are the signs of the of the fish? Fins and scales. Any fish that has fins and scales, you can eat it. Any fish doesn't have fins and scales, finished. You cannot eat it. That's the science. Now Hasidus comes and tells us, showing that's about the animal. But you know, every one of us is a combination of a godly part and the animal part. The godly soul is the godly side, is the human side, if you want. And then there is the animal side. What's the animal side? The egoistic side, the things that I want to eat and I want to sleep, it doesn't have to mean that I'm bad. Just that I want to, I care for myself. The thing that I think about myself, this is the animal side. The thing when I think about God, I think about other people, I think about helping, I think about doing a mitzvah, that's a godly side. Whenever I think about myself, now you must have this side. If not, you will not be able to survive. Yesterday, I saw a talk from the Rebbe, says that like, like are you are the shoe of a person. What is a shoe made of? What is allahically a shoe considered a shoe? Leather. Leather, beautiful. That's why you cannot wear leather shoes on Yom Kippur. Other shoes are just an imitation. It's not the real thing. The real shoe is made from, from a skin of animal. The Rebbe said, what is, what's the shoe of the soul? The body. That protects them from the world. That helps them to, to elevate the world to the purpose of God. And the body is the animal side of the human being. The godly side is the godly side. Then must be if the, there is kosher animals and there are not kosher animals. Must be there is kosher ways of being a human being and there is non-kosher ways of being a human being. And this is a message, a universal message. It's nothing to do with Jews. Just what means to be a, a mensch. And let's read what make, what takes to be a mensch. Um, Keith, you want to read? The kosher animal has split hooves. In other words, our approach to earthy matters should be split into two. We embrace the good and distance the bad. However, split hooves is not enough. We must also chew the cud. Before engaging in any material pursuit, we must chew our cud again and again to evaluate if and how we should approach it. Only then is our animal kosher. Oh, and first of all, split hooves means a person has to have a balance. For example, 
What could be? It could be a person without a balance. Some people say they are very big and mitzvahs between men and men. They help others. They do. They will volunteer. They will save the world. They will save the environment. They are constantly busy saving. But with the men and God, that's not a business. That's not a thing. They're not praying. They're not learning Torah. They're not doing mitzvahs with the men. That's not their thing. There is other people who learn and davna all day, or they'll never do a favor to somebody else. And the Torah tells us you have to have spiritus. You have to have. You have to be balanced. You have to have one part, part, one part on this side, the other part on the other side. A, a complete human being has to have both. It cannot be just one direction and not the other. Because to be a man, be, to do volunteer to the writing, it has to be based on the Torah. The Torah tells you where you should spend your time, where you should spend the money, where is the most appropriate. Because every time it's a matter of priorities. Who will make you? We have a limited amount of time, we have a limited amount of money. How I know what's the right thing? We should spend the money. You need God. We need the Torah to tell us where's the right place and where's the right time to spend the money. On the other end, between between uh, uh, between men and God, you should also you should not learn Torah. But it's that's not enough. If you don't practice it, then something is wrong with your learning. That's for a Jew. But even for an, for a regular person, for a, any human being, it's all about the balance. You have to have, you, and not because you become a nice person, you'll embrace every bad behavior. And you, your child is doing something bad, you have to make clear, this is bad behavior, it's unacceptable. And the other end, it's a good, you have to have the two sides, you have to have a balance. The, with the right end, we bring our people closer. The good thing we bring closer, with the left end, we push things away. Why with the right end we bring closer? The right end is stronger than the left end. When it comes to give somebody a hug, give him with the right hand. When it gets somebody pushing somebody, push him with your left hand. Don't rush, don't push him with the right hand. Don't put all your energy and all your and all your anger and all your and a person's bad behavior, bad uh, character into it. Do it with your left hand. But then he says, however, split hoofs is not enough. It means to chew the cord. What is to chew the cord? You know, somebody once told me. Before they sent an email, they prepare the email at night and if they don't send it. And in the morning, they read their emails again. And if they like it, they press send. That's a brilliant idea. Now, can you imagine if not just for the emails from my mouth, I would also have the same, the same idea. Chew it overnight, chew, have to chew on it. And then you press the button of your mouth to talk in the morning, 12 hours later. How many friends, many more friends we would have? How much more business would we make? How lucky we would be. We would never ever fight with our wives. We would be, would be mamish. Moshiach, Moshiach would come. And this is the idea of chewing the cord. What chewing the cord means? The animal brings in the food and then it, 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 it brings it out back again and choose on it and then swallows it up. That's the way then these animals walk. Then what means for a human being? You want to say somebody something, ah, something strong? Think about it. Don't rush. Think about it. The moment it comes out from your mouth, you can never take it back. But if it doesn't take out from your mouth, it will it will be 
it will be good. You, you can always say something nice. You can always say it later. No rush. That's the law. That's the lessons we learn from splitting the split hoofs and shoot the cord. Here is pictures for the kosher science of animal and for fish. If you don't know what fins and scales here, it's right here in the picture. No, it didn't say anything about like, for example, swordfish. It didn't. They say swordfish isn't kosher because the scales don't pull it out easily. They no, no. The problem with swordfish is that when it's born, it has fins and scales, but as it becomes an adult, it loses the scale. So it doesn't really have scales for its entire life span, and therefore it's not kosher. That's my understanding, Rabbi. Um, first of all, I don't know what swordfish is. Therefore, but I heard about this problem, yes. But I am not a maven on a, a fish. And yeah, they, or, always the scale, they always said the scales have to pull out easily. I didn't know that the swordfish don't have scales as adults, but they, are, you know, they always said the scales have to come out easily if you pull on them, and I didn't see any of that in the text, but I never heard about that's it. That you don't, that, that's that you don't see in the text. It doesn't mean that's not the law. You understand? Right. The text gives you the very basic laws. And then to interpret what comes the commentaries and the rabbis and the Talmud and, and all of that book. We don't go just by the text. As we all know, we are not Sadducees, right? <laughs> <laughs> My kids argue with me about the written this. I told them we are not Sadducees. More than just what's written. Now, what can we learn from the fins and scales? And this is a, te a teaching from the Rebbe's father. <clears throat> and he says something very interesting here. Um, Dr. Milstein, would you mind to read for us? <laughs> fins represent the Torah, which helped the individual navigate the waters. We go with Torah, as the verse says. If you go on my commandments, which refers to Torah study, Scales should be, should be a translation different. If you walk in my commandments, not if you go in my commandments. Okay, go, I'm sorry. Go yeah, represent the so what, what's the difference between those two then? It's, it's about the walk, the steps, going further. That's what it means. It's just the wrong translation. Alicha means to walk. I would have thought the fin navigate helps in it, uh, like the fish navigate the waters, not the scale. Oh, wait, this has fins, never mind. Yeah, yeah. makes sense. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. But Go the ahead. scales represent the mitzvot, which are generally represented uh, by the mitzvah of charity. As the verse says, he donned charity like a coat of chain mail, which is an armor made of metal scales. Okay, let's stop right here for a minute. The Baal Shem Tov taught us that every Jew, that the world is like a storming sea. And with strong waves. And when a person comes down to the world, he has to learn to navigate, to swim. Like he throw him, God is throwing them into the sea and he has to learn how to swim. And to swim, he needs fins and scales. He needs fins to be able to swim. You know, what's the sign for a living fish? A sign? Are you, you're in the water. I don't know if the fish is alive or dead. around. It's going back. Moving. Moves his fin. Going bubbles. No, no. Uh, Michael, you said something. What you said? It's, it's going moving back and forth, side to side as it goes through the water. Is it's, not, it's not floating at the top of the water. Swimming <laughs> against the current. You hear? 
is swimming against the current. A sign of a living fish that is swimming against the current. Yeah. You see, our life is full of, it's like a stormy sea. The waves, life swallowing us up. We can get drowned in, in our daily life. Everybody's busy. He has a list of 2,000 things to do. He has to go there and he has to do this, this. And he forgets which day is it, which year is it, which, where, where he's coming, where he's going. And now you survive it. You have to swim. That's your fins. And you have to, to well, what's the sign that you're alive that you swim against the current? Not everybody else is doing it, therefore I'm doing it. I'm not doing what everybody else is doing. That's a sign that I'm alive. What are the fins? Who gives you the strong to swim against the current? Who gives you the, who gives us the strong? What gives us the strong to swim, to stay above the water? The Torah. The Torah gives a person the backbone, not to be impressed by the world. The old world thinks this way. The world is, doesn't know what they're thinking. They don't have any backbone. We know what Judaism teaches us, what's right and what's wrong. And after I learn what, and I know what I am and who I am, I don't care what the world says. I'm not impressed with what the world says. I'm not afraid to deal with what the world says because I know I have a strong identity of myself. I have my own backbone and I have no problem to hear what the world, to confront the world, to confront the world. The world is not a threat to my way of thinking. The more a Jew a person knows, the more he knows, the more he's aware of his way of thinking and the Jewish way of belief, and he's not afraid of the world. That's the fins. With the fins, we can navigate, we can, we can, we can uh, swim against the current. Scales, now the fins are a part of you. The scales, uh, they, they're, they're like a cover over the fish. It's like clothing. Torah and mitzvahs, as he said so many times, Torah represents food. Estimating. When you, when you eat something, when you learn Torah, you walk away with it. It becomes a part of you. The same thing is, 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 a, is a, it's like food. It's like part of you. It's like the fins. Scales is like clothing. Mitzvahs is like a clothing. As he talked so many times, we put on film. The moment that film is on you, it's yours. The moment you take off that film, the moment I give Zoke, I put in the charity box, I become um, uh, um, a chariot for God. A moment later, I'm not, I'm separated. I think I mentioned the story a few times. It was once they came to a Hasidic Rebbe and they complained, a Hasidic, Hasidic Jews in Europe, there was one Jew there who used to inform everybody to the government and give them terrible sores. And in forum to a nostalgic government like in Poland, in Poland, meant if you get into the in the end of the of the of the in the jail in, a, in this jail or this by this police, some anti-Semite will kill you there in jail before you have a chance to say hello. Then they wanted them to to get rid of him. They came to the to the rabbi, wherever the rabbi was, and they asked him, please pray, we should get rid of him. He should die. I don't know what they didn't tell him what to do, just get, he should he should disappear. And he says, tell me his name, tell him his name. He says, I see he's shining, his neshama is shining. They found out what happened later. What, what, he says, I'm looking his name, I don't know what you're talking about. At that moment, it was a Sunday by a breeze, by his grandchild or something, by son. Then that moment, even if it was a terrible human being, at that moment he was connected with a mitzvah and he was shining, the neshama was shining. 
then a mitzvah is compared to scales. Then Torah, the fins represents the Torah, the scales represent the mitzvah. Continue. Michael? Who, whoever, ha, <coughs> whoever has scales has fins too. For without Torah, how does he know to perform mitzvah? Only Torah study can bring about the resulting action. And therefore, if someone has mitzvot, he clearly has Torah as well. However, you could have fins without scales. The Mishnah speaks of individuals who assume they could study Torah alone. I mean, those people are probably people who just study. They don't do any mitzvahs. Other You're right. You're right. They're like um, yeshiva students that never go out in the world, I guess. And they, they also do some mitzvahs, but they don't do mitzvahs like charity, mitzvahs with others. No. They put on film, they do this kind of mitzvahs, but with themselves, not with others. You're right. The, the, the mitzvah is, so, is it's, it, now, the, the we learn, later we learn that every fish that has scales has fins. There is no fish that has scales and doesn't have fins. But you can have fins and not have scales. It means a person, if he has scales, if he has mitzvahs, he will eventually connect to the Torah. If you do mitzvahs, the mitzvahs will bring you back to God. It's impossible you will not get connected to God. That's why the Rebbe was so much on campaigning, a mitzvah campaign of asking for people to put on film, to light candles, to, to give charity, to eat kosher, mitzvahs. Because he said the mitzvahs will bring them back. If you have scales, you will have fins. It will be impossible that you will not be connected to, the, to God in Atlanta. But sometimes it can be a personal learn Torah. There were people who learned Torah and didn't, do it, didn't even put on film. Some people just enjoyed the learning of the Torah enjoy the knowledge of the Torah, but they didn't, didn't believe in action. They didn't believe in God. Some, they were such strange creatures in generations ago, they were uh, apicorus, they were, they, were, um, they were heretics who were, who were learning Torah and not, and, and not doing any mitzvahs. Today we don't have such people, thank God. Well, that's the message was here from the fins and the scales. That first we had the general, um, universal message from the from the should from the animal from the sign of a kosher animal should according to it you have to be balanced you have to have a little bit of between God and man a little between man and man then you need to should the code you have to think twice before you do something if you have to do it if you have to say it that's a general message to everyone to be balanced then there is a Jewish message we learn from the from the fish, from the kosher signs of the fish, fins and scales, Torah and mitzvahs. You need to have both. And if you have mitzvahs, you will for sure have Torah. If you have Torah, you're not necessarily going to have mitzvahs. Now we learn something, the eternal truth of the Torah. Um, Sid, you want to continue? Sure. That's from Nachmanides. <clears throat> Any that has split hooves and that chews its cud. This verse means that you may eat animals which have both signs, but not animals which have only one sign. He could have stated the law in general terms, but he singled out the camel, hyrax, and, and rabbit who only chew their cud, and the pig who only has split hooves, because no other animal in existence has only one sign. You hear this? He says, the reason why the Torah pointed out these four animals, because only these four animals have one sign and not the other. Any other animal, has, if it has one sign, it has the second sign. If it chew the cord, it's pit hooves. And the Talmud brings an example of it. 
for uh, if you go in the desert and you find the animal that his legs are cut off and you don't know if he has split offs, you open his mouth. How you know if he should have caught you? He caught his, his stomach. You, what is the sign for an animal, for a kosher animal? How many sets of teeth the, the kosher animals have? Anybody knows? Zoologists? You're going to the zoo all day and all night. You're watching the what it's called, the the channel on television that speaks about uh, all animal channel. Animal channel. Yeah. National Geographic. Thank you. Kosher animals have one set of teeth. I think in the bottom. Oh, only the top, only the bottom. I can't remember. That in, in you might you find an animal in the desert talking about a person is starving. Find the animal in the desert. Then in you in you in his legs are cut off. You open his mouth. If he has one set of teeth, I think it's about, I don't remember which one. You know it's a kosher animal, and you can slaughter him. Even if you don't know what happened to his legs, you know because he, the, the the teeth show that he's chewing the cord. And if you chew the cord, there's three doves, it's a kosher animal. The Nachmanides says that beside these four animals, the three animals would chew the cord and don't have speed doves, the camel, the irak, and the rabbit. And one animal, the pig that has uh, speed doves and doesn't, have, doesn't chew the cord, there is no other animals who, are, who, are, who, are, who have one and another. Okay, uh, Ilan, can you want to read source number five? Sure. The rabbis taught any fish that has scales certainly has fins but there are fish that have fins and do not have scales. Any fish that has scales and fins is kosher. If it has, if it has fins, but no scales, it is not kosher. Now, if we rely only on scales, let God write only scales and leave out fins altogether. Rabbi Abahu said, and it was also said in the study hall of Rabbi Yishmael, God included extra passages to make Torah great and glorious. Whatever it means that the Torah made great and glorious, there is a whole explanation about that. But what it, me it means to say what he wants to point out from the Talmud is then until today, we didn't find any animal, any fish that has scarcely does not fins. Millions of types of fish are in the world. Not one has scarcely does not fins. Now we'll go to talk about the other sides of kosher. There is another law about kosher. Uh, Rabbi, you want to read it? If Jewish law imposes lashes for partaking in a forbidden food, that indicates that it is a biblical prohibition. For example, milk from a non-kosher animal or eggs of a non-kosher birds or fish. Okay. First of all, there is a rule. If the animal is kosher, what the animal produces is kosher. If the animal is not kosher, what it produces is not kosher. Then milk of a cow, because the cow is kosher, the milk is kosher. Milk of a pig, because the pig is not kosher, the milk is not kosher. And the same thing is about the eggs. What, there is one type of animal that what it produces is kosher. What is it? B. B. Thank you, Mark. The B, you're allowed to eat the, the honey. Why? Mark, why? Because life would be difficult without honey. It's sweet and it's delicious. <laughs> <laughs> because Hashem said that the land of Israel is full of uh, 
honey and uh... <laughs> no, 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 no. By the way, the honey that the Torah is speaking about is the honey Eight. that comes out from uh, dates, from dates, not from yeah. not from bees. This is not such a blessing. But why is the honey that comes out from bee from a bee kosher? Because it's from pollen from the the uh, flowers. It exactly. It's not his own. It's not his own. He uh, uh, doesn't produce it. He's just collecting it. It's not your own. By the way, that's a lesson for a Jew. He's taking the Torah, the sweetness of the Torah, and he's sharing it with others. It's not his own. Then everything that comes out from an animal is not kosher if the, if the animal is not kosher. Now continue. Non-kosher. Non-kosher milk will not congeal and solidify as kosher milk. If a mixture of non-kosher milk and kosher milk is made into cheese, the kosher milk will solidify and the non-kosher milk will be expelled together with the whey of the cheese. Very interesting. Uh, milk of, of not kosher animals doesn't become strong, cannot become cheese. You see, in general, what you see on many bottles and many types of food, it's written Chalav Israel. What Chalav Israel is? Chalav Israel is milk that was that was milked by, by, by a, a rabbi was standing there when somebody milked the milk. Why? Because we are afraid maybe the milk, the, the milk of the cow was mixed with milk of pig and then you don't, of a pig and you don't know what, which, what is what and therefore you're not allowed to drink it. But he says if, it's, if you made from it cheese, you will know right away if it's kosher or not. Because the, the, from the milk of a non-kosher animal, you cannot make cheese. Accordingly. Accordingly, logic would dictate that a Gentile's milk should be forbidden, lest he mix non-kosher milk with it. But a Gentile's cheese should be permitted for non-kosher milk will not form cheese. In general. Then we see rules that the Talmud is giving the Talmudic rabbis were 2,000 years old ago. And, this, and these rules are re relevant and true today. And nobody ever was able to, to um, discredit them. And I thought that them. the uh, Gentiles cheese was not permitted because they use- for other, for other reasons. Okay. For other reasons, not because of the reason then it's, it's the milk is not kosher milk. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. It's a complicated business with cheese. It's a very complicated business, but I'm not a maven in it. And I learned over 30 years that I shouldn't talk about things that I don't know what I'm talking about. Therefore, I leave it to you. If you can go probably on the internet, I'm sure there is rabbis who are mavens in cheese, which is because I don't understand the cheese is put in a, in a, in, well, they put it in a stomach in a, in a, in a, of, the, of a non-kosher animal. I don't know how it's work. I don't know. Well, then they use an enzyme. They take, a, they take so, a, 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 something from the um, animal's uh, stomach. Non-kosher animals. Non-kosher. And they use it to um, catalyze and make the cheese better. Strong, yes. And that's the question now is this kosher. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I know one thing. If it says an echsher in top of it, a good echsher, it's kosher. <laughs> I'm sure the rabbis figured it out. I cannot be a maven on everything. <laughs> I know it's also, it's a very, the, the biggest gift of a human being, I wish I would have it in everything, is to know what you don't know. 
In any case, let's read what the Rebbe is speaking. Now the Rebbe is talking about the ideas of the science of the, of the animals, the science of the fish and so on. Um, Mark, you want to read? Sure. The laws and commodities regarding kosher food teaches us a general lesson about the truth of Torah. These laws describe the kosher signs of an a, a creature, domestic animals, wild animals, birds, and fish. Obviously, these signs are aspects of the animal's physical features. Here we see a demonstration of truthfulness of the Torah. Throughout the world, not a single animal has been discovered that contradicts these uh, classifications. For example, Mamadi states regarding the signs for animals. Every animal that chews the cud has split hoofs. Every animal that has split hoofs chews the cud with four exceptions, the camel, pig, hyrax, and rabbit, who each have just one of these signs. Regarding fish, the Talmud that, tells- yeah, That brings what Maimonides says about the animal, the, the signs we learned before. Regarding fish, continue. Regarding fish, the Talmud tells us, any fish with scales will have fins. In fact, the Talmud proposes the question, why didn't Hashem simply list scales and leave out the fins? If it's impossible to have scales without fins, to answer simply to make Torah great and glorious. But that sort of contradicts one of the principles of Torah, which Why? is that because Torah doesn't have one extraneous letter word that the the, the briefest and simplest. You're right. That must be that there is more lessons from the fins and the scales. Like right, so it can't just be great and glorious. It has to actually... That's, that's uh, great and glorious that you can learn from it other things. Okay. All right. Yes. I remember to you from the Rebbe a while ago, you know, you're getting old, you forget things, about the great and glorious what, what does this mean exactly? But I, and I remember that I liked it. I remember to enjoy it, but I forgot. But in general, the idea is that you can learn many things from the, from, from a lesson in Torah. Even though it doesn't need it for the physical ex, uh, sign, you can learn it from a you can learn from it a spiritual sign that the scales are the mitzvahs and the fish and the fins are the Torah. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. Okay, Michael, you want to continue regarding milk? I want to ask a question. Please. Uh, wait a minute. Do rabbits have split hooves? The rabbits, no, the rabbits have, have a, a, a chew the cord and don't have split hooves. Can you go back up so I can see that for a minute? Here it's not written in the order of things. It's written camel. It should be camel, Iraq, and rabbits, we, 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 which they have just one. Before we learned in the Torah, it's written camel, Irax, and rabbits have chew the cord and don't have split hooves. The pig has split hooves and doesn't chew the cord. The way that it's written, if just one of the signs, one of the signs, it's not written. Every animal that chews the cud has split hooves, but the mm -hmm. rabbit chews its cud, right? Read, read the whole paragraph. Every animal that does chew the cud has split hooves. Every animal that does split hooves chew the cud with uh, four exceptions. The camel. Oh, they, oh the whole thing is not in order. I see. Yes. I understand. Okay. Yes, yes, exactly. All right. Regarding milk. Regarding milk, Maimonides writes, non-kosher milk will not congeal and solidify as kosher milk. If a mixture of non-kosher 
milk and kosher milk is made into cheese, the kosher milk will solidify and the not kosher milk will be expelled together with the whey of the cheese. This is an amazing phenomenon. Countless <laughs> never before seen species have been discovered since the time we received the Torah, since the Mishnah and Talmud were compiled, and even since my mom and my mom and Maimonides wrote his work. This is especially true since the, the discovery of the miracles, Australia, and other remote islands. They contain countless unique species which did not exist in the lands of the sages of the Mishnah and the Talmuds uh, of the Talmud and of uh, Maimonides. Nevertheless, nevertheless, the rules about animals written in the Mishnah and Talmud and cited by Maimonides continue to hold true regarding all the new animals discovered throughout the generations. Until today, not a single animal has been discovered that contradicts those principles. This serves as one of the clear demonstration of Torah's truth and demonstrates God's glory in the words of our sages and ethics of our fathers, Everything God created in his world, he created only for his glory. All living creatures conform to the rules of the Torah because their entire existence comes from Torah. As stated in the Zohar, God looked into Torah and created the world. That if it's written, what means God looks in the Torah and created the world? Mark, what does this mean? The Torah is, is like the is drawings, like a person is building houses, he has drawings. The Torah is the, is, the, is the drawings of the world. And according to the Torah, God created the world. That if, created, if it's written in the Torah, so to speak, then there is no animals which should accord and, speak and, and don't speak, the, and don't, one, have one sign and not the other. Beside this four, God made that the world is be like this. If the Talmud says that things and no scales, it means the Talmud got it from their rabbis all the way from Moses, all the way from God, because a human being cannot come up with such an idea. How can a human being say something like this? That any fish that has fins has, 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 that has scales has fins. Maybe we'll find one fish in, in a thousand years from now in a different place of the world who has scales and doesn't have fish without fins. But because they, they said that they knew it from God, then God, God created the world according to the Torah. And that's what you learn from this. From this, uh, then this false science showing us how much the Torah, what the rabbis told us, not even in the Torah, not written in the Torah clearly, the, what the rabbis learned from the way it's written in the Torah, and they came to the conclusion there is no other animals who have once one who, with this, with, uh, who contradict the science, the laws of the Torah, is true until today. And this concept that the Torah is draw is a drawing is a is blueprint. That's the right word. The blueprint for the for, for the world is true about many other things. Where can we say see that the Torah is a blueprint for, for, for life? That God created a human being according to what the Torah says. I give you an example. What should be the solution for a person who's snoring? Somebody snows, he wakes up his partner. What, uh, what's the solution? Move him to a different bedroom. Sleep on your side. Sleep on your side, beautiful. Yeah, here is the, there is the one, one solution is to throw him out of the room. Yeah, that's the most, the easy solution. If you cannot do this, if for some strange reason you cannot do it, some strange reason happens once in a blue moon. 
then you should sleep on the side. Pregnant women, what they tell them? To sleep on the side. Because it cannot, it cannot sleep on the bed, it cannot sleep on the stomach. Babies, I mean, they used to, you know, every, every five years they came, come up with a new idea. But babies in general, they tell babies to, well, for a long time, they said that sleeping on the side is the safest way for babies to sleep. Now it's a case, oh, every day different ideas. I don't know what the rules now, I don't have babies. Then Jewish law says that a Jew should go to sleep on his side. Sleep on your side, you know, the, and he should go to sleep on his left side of the bed, on his left side, and he should wake up on his right side. You know the expression, he woke up on the right side of the bed? It comes from Jewish law. If you wake up on the right side of the bed, you're wake up in a good mood, you're in a, you're, everything is good. That you're going to sleep on your left side and you wake up on the right side because it's better for the digestion and so on. That's what Jewish law says. That if Jewish law says this is the way to sleep, it's good for snoring, it's good for pregnant women, it's good for babies, it's good for everybody. And the same thing is about every law in the, in the Torah. The Torah makes sure, the, the Torah tells you to do it. This is the best way for you. It cannot be a contradiction to your health. You know, I have, I, sometimes I, I remember many, many years ago, I walked into somebody, now he's a member of the show and he's all fine and nice and kind. But when I met him, he was against everything. And his wife wanted to buy kosher chicken and he didn't want to. He gave me an, an excuse that it's, he has, he's, leading, he's suffering from cholesterol and the kosher chicken, the salt of the kosher chicken is not good for her. No, you doctors, tell me how much is the salt of the kosher chicken can, can uh, hurt his cholesterol? What do you think? Uh, salt doesn't hurt cholesterol. Oh, thank you, even better. <laughs> so I actually have a question about kosher meat that salt to get the blood out. Yeah. People do say that they're, they don't like to buy kosher meat because of the salt raising their blood pressure. Okay, not the cholesterol, the blood pressure. My understanding is they wash off the salt anyhow. Isn't that absolutely, true? Absolutely, absolutely they wash the salt off. So I think it's a, this person might've meant the blood pressure. Maybe melt the blood pressure, okay. And, and that I heard before. And is this true? Yeah. What am I to say is the meat, the kosher meat, meat can, re, can re No, not kosher meat. You just told me they wash off the salt. Is that what you said? They wash off the salt. I remember my mother used to kosher. It does not have meat. more salt than regular meat. No. Maybe so, what, what, I've what, heard people say that they don't eat kosher meat because of the salt. They think it's filled with salt. It's not. What you do is you salt it. You keep it, I think, for an hour. It should soak out all the blood. They and what? wash it up completely. You wash it up well, not just wash it What? They're talking about raising their blood pressure. Yeah, then I'm telling you, even it cannot be that something that's kosher should should cause should cause health problems. Nobody tells you to, and nobody tells the person to eat a whole chicken and then complain that his blood pressure is up. Then it's because of other reasons. I, I mean, the price of the kosher food can cause health problems. I, I agree, I agree. But this is a part of being Jewish. Being Jewish is ne was never cheap. I'll tell you why. Because this is a connection to the Jewish people when they left Egypt. They complained once to Moses. We remember the meat that we ate in, we ate in Egypt for free. <laughs> for free. Then from this we learn that in Egypt is for free. 
In Judaism, nothing is for free. Think about that. Anything meaningful costs money. Anything meaningful is out to achieve. For free, everything is for, for free. It means it doesn't mean anything. It's all about our, how much you invested in it. For example, if you buy your wife a, a present and actually didn't cost you, you found it somewhere. But it's the same thing as buying it for a thousand dollars. What will happen if she discovered that you didn't pay a penny for it? <laughs> I don't think she'll appreciate it. Even she say, oh, I don't mind, but she will mind. She wants to know how much she's worth for you. Not how much, not about the present. How much you pay, you spend. That's what she wants to know. In Judaism, when we do a mitzvah, we have to do the best mitzvah. Why the best? Because for your children, you buy the best. You want, you want the best for your children. For something that's very dear to you, you want the best. We want for our, we want for God. There is a Talmudic, based on the verse in the, in the Bible, in the Song of the Sea, Zekei and Veo. This is my God and I'll beautify him. And then you buy a etrog, you buy the most expensive etrog because you just want to see the mitzvah the most expensive. You buy a, um, a mezuzah, you want to spend, you want to put something for God, you want to do the best. Because it shows that it's important to you. It's important to me. It's dear to me. That Judaism is expensive. Yeah, my friend. We have nothing to do about that. And besides, think about that. How hard is it to get a piece, a piece of kosher meat? 80% goes to the non-kosher market. Then you have to salt it. Then you have to pop it. It's a big, it's a big process. It's a very big process. Then you have to salt it right in a short time. You cannot freeze it because before, freeze it before you salt it. Because then the 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 blood gets frozen in the, in the in the in the in the meat, and and then it's not kosher. You have to you have to salt it right away. And only then you can freeze it. Then you need to have all the process ready to be done to take care of it right away. And that's like everything else is expensive. And and yeah, in in Jewish camps it costs money. In Jewish day school costs money, and everything costs money. And being a Jew costs money. Yeah 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 yeah. But everything that's worthwhile is, is, is in Judaism. And the, the, the Arizal had a custom, you know, by the Rebbe, when anybody came to give him a present, let's say people used to give him candles for Hanukkah, a present. Rebbe used to say, for a mitzvah, you have to pay. He always gave him something. He never want to take something for free. For a mitzvah, you have to pay. Because that's, that makes it, it's make, makes it worthwhile. Because the Arizal said that, and he, I think he behaved like this. He used to uh, pay for the mitzvahs, for every mitzvah he did. Nothing for free. Because if it's for free, it's not appreciated. Look, when you give the, the, the things to people for free, they don't appreciate. When they pay for it, they appreciate. Wasn't there the phrase um, that it's the, 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 um, if you get something for free, it's the... Uh... It's the uh, bread of uh, the poor, or, or yeah, that's the beside the point. Yeah, Namedik is Yeah, it's a bread, bread of shame, bread of shame. <laughs> Something yeah. for free is bread of shame. Yeah. In any case, my friend, this is the story of the kosher animals. This is the lessons we can learn, and we can maybe we cannot become human beings, but maybe we can become kosher animals. That's a little bit we can do. Thank you for joining. Thank you, Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you. Thank you.